Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most informational, educational, and entertaining podcast for auto detailers. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints of Polishing Podcast. My name is Marshall Hill, and I'm your guide as we journey through the auto detailing industry. You can find me on most platforms at Total Auto Solutions, or if you're on TikTok or the new Clubhouse, find me at Detail Supply Hap. If you need an invite to Clubhouse, shoot me a text, 918-800-1188. I am joined today with Greg Masterson's. You can find him on most platforms platforms at masterson's wax but if he is on tiktok is where he really likes to be so if you are there you can find him on tiktok at masterson's car care the best way though to get in touch with greg is to give him a call uh give him direct call and it is at 562-335-2053 best way to get in touch with greg greg i'm gonna hop open a uh, cascade brewing citrus sage yeah nice this is a barrel-aged weed ale. Um, weed, weed. Oh, I you know sometimes those are good. Four twenties coming ale? up. They do have weed ales. Yes, they, they do. do. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That's a wheat ale. No. Oh, you know Not when you smell it. a beer, you can already you know sometimes you get one and you just immediately smell it. And you go, no, that ain't gonna work. But I'd already started tossing it back, and I was like, oh, that ain't gonna work. No, it ain't gonna work. Oh, yeah, that's weird. Sage, you you ever into sage? No. I, no, some cocktails. I told you I drink a lot of cocktails. Yeah. You sometimes you can take a sage leaf and throw it on, burn it a little bit. You go good with some like, yeah, that doesn't look good. That does not. Look it just good. smells funky, right? Like, oh, I'm a pass. I'm a hard pass on that. And go hard back pass. to some bubbly water. Oh, we got another one. There we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's go yeah. to another one. Yeah, uh, all right, good. I want to jump in. Uh, well, it's, it's not Tuesday. It's not Tuesday. That's right. It's it's Thursday. It's Thursday. And it's funny that we're doing this because I feel very burnt out because we are crazy busy over here at MasterCard. We're crazy. And I already feel more burnt out than normally doing this on Tuesday. It's crazy how that works. Because it's later in the week, huh? Yeah. I only get more of a grind. I only get usually get one day off. It's Sunday. So by Tuesday, I'm still pretty, pretty hot. Yeah. But Thursday, Friday, it's kind of hard. And you're then this feeling day, like getting on that bike and going for a cruise, huh? Yeah, dude, it's kind of hard. And then, and then, and then, uh, and then this week I'm working Sunday, so that's a hard one. So yeah, I gotta keep it going, keep the hustle. Yeah, going. keep rocking, man. Well, listen, we want to dive in a couple of the things, and I think it'll be a fun discussion. You know, first off, your previous company that you were at, you guys came out with a polisher. Uh, Masterson's, though, you're you're not coming out with a polisher. Or- How's that? Is because it's interesting right now that uh, <laughs> it's interesting right now. There's a lot of people that are talking about, you know, hey, uh, we've had them on our, our different episodes. And, you know, a lot of them are manufacturers and they talk heavily about, you know, hey, we manufacture, we manufacture. Uh, I'd like to know your thought process on why, you know, what would be the difference of why you did a private label on one before? And if you're going to do that on another one, you know, what, what, why you choose what you did and what's your stance on, you know, whether you make it or, or outsource it. On the polishers. Okay. So, um, so, you know, I actually didn't work with the company who did the polisher. It was like a different company that did the polisher. Yeah. It was like a secondary company that did all the, that did the polisher and the brand and everything. And it was just sold through another uh, retailer. 
That's how they did it. It was like a two separate thing. I actually didn't work on the polishing side, but what I did work on was I did work on the development side of the machine. And that was the torque machine. So I worked on the development of the torque machine and um, the torque machine wanted to be, a, a, you know, we wanted to design it to be uh, me and two other people did the setup with this torque machine. And we had it built by a secondary company, tool company, designed with all the manufacturing because the tool companies, they, they, they manufacture tools, we manufacture chemicals. So we worked to design a new tool. And even when that tool came out, there was only like a couple yeah, different tools. Many. There wasn't that many. Yeah, I know there wasn't that many. There wasn't that many. That's exactly the same thing. And so um, now there's a shitload of different tools. And it's so funny because I'm actually getting the UDOS in here. Do you know what the UDOS is? I don't know. Huh? So Lake Country, I've actually been following this for a while. Lake Country Manufacturing developed this tool that does rotary, but then it also does 21 millimeter throw, 15 millimeter throw, 12 millimeter, and I think eight. Yep. Something like that, right? Five. So now I know what you're talking about. Yeah. If you said they're five and one, yeah, they were on the, they were on the community pub a couple of weeks ago and okay. Bob Eichelberg really went over, you know, all the different parts of it. So yeah. Boom. So I'm very excited to get the Udos machine five and one here to try it out. Okay. Cause I've actually used a lot of different machines, pretty actually pretty much every machine I think out there on the market I've used, including the buff pro. Have you ever used a buff pro? No. You smile. Do you know what a Buff Pro is? It sounds pretty rinky-dink. It is pretty rinky-dink, but trust me, I've used it. I've used them is all. Is that the one with the big, giant, like, rotating ball thing? Yes. You hold? Oh, yes. is it really? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. And I know, you've seen, I know you've seen videos of that on YouTube, right? Yeah, yeah. I've seen videos, and I've seen it being used, but I myself have never used it. And they're huh? so old. They're like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've never owned one. I've only used one, because I was yeah. not going to buy the... the I was... <laughs> the buff pro but interesting concept i guess it could be i thought that it was better to be used on like large flat vehicles that need mm -hmm. to be buffed like i was like thinking it would have been a better machine for like box trucks oh yeah right because like it's such semis. A, it's yeah. yeah it's such a wide space where you just need a machine to like overlap yeah. 50 50 and keep hitting because the circular motion of a machine is so jacked up you actually lose a percentage uh because you're not you can't buff in a true square so that at least gave like true square like buffing and on a big area with corners i felt like it would have been a great tool right and so you're going to bring that in and test it or bring it in and start maybe looking at selling the it? udos yeah i don't know we're gonna find out i actually just wanted to get the udos in and i really wanted to see what was up with the udos that's something so i was very interested about that machine I know that it is not a beginner's machine and the machine is no. very expensive. Yeah. It is not a, a low price no. machine. And I think well, he, he quoted on, on the episode at six ninety nine, and that's down 200 bucks from what it used to be. So yeah. 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 But it was, it was too high of a price point. And yeah. I wanted to, you know, the important thing about tools is that it has to be in a good price point. You can't have a tool at this like crazy price point. No, no, absolutely not. And so it, that, that's why I was going to ask, that's why I was going to ask you, like, you know, given where you're at and who you service, right? Your clientele, mm -hmm. would you find that a, you know, a lower price, you know, private labeled, uh, really good quality polisher 
Is that something that you guys think of as a, a thought process for your company? You know, a lot of the things I think about truly is, is that the majority of detailers don't need a buffing machine. And that's what I've actually talked about a lot for many years is they just don't need it. And so I don't actually sell any in my store that I actually manage uh, because it, it's, it's a low selling item. And not a lot of people buy buffing machines. It just ends up being the matter of the fact. And there's also a lot of problems with buying buffing machines is you go to a lot of stores like uh, run by other companies and they want to sell them on a machine because they, 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 may, they make money off the machine. And they think I'm selling a more expensive item. I'm going to make more money. So our job, their job is to sell. So they want to sell everybody a machine. And what I've noticed from doing this for many years is that a lot of people don't need a machine. They buy a machine, they don't use it, or they buy a machine and they don't know how to use it. And then they end up messing up their car because they don't know how to use it because you can damage your car heavily with a dual action polisher. And other companies won't tell you that, but I'll be one of the first people right here on this podcast to say that you can damage a car with a dual action polisher. You can damage a car more with a rotary, but it can be damaged with a dual action polisher. What if you don't know how to hold it right and it falls out of your hand and then the pad backing plate grinds on the paint? It can damage your vehicle. You know? Yeah, there are. Yeah, you're right. There are. Or if, you know, we've had plenty of people that if you leave it sitting too long, I know people say you can't ever burn paint, but I mean, you can, you know, I mean, you, you can force it down and do, I mean, there's always ways of trying to manipulate things if you want to, you know, and especially yeah. at dealerships. I mean, I've gotten phone calls like, Hey man, I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> one out of how many, you know, it, it, but it is a much safer tool. I think it's interesting though, that you said, and that's true. I mean, you have said over the past that, uh, you know, you don't feel that majority of detailers really would even need uh, a way of polishing paint and you yeah. can still make, you know, really good money uh, and run a full business with doing less uh, time on a polisher. Now, that's not exactly the way the industry has been teaching or moving over the past couple of years, right? Especially since 15, 16, 17, there's been this massive insurgence of having to define yourself as this elite correction person, right? And you're going to do all these different passes and you've got the styles that you got to use. And you got to use this pad and you got to do your hand movement at this way. And you've got to go so many passes here. And I mean, it became very, very, very technical yeah. and so technical that they just became elitist mm -hmm. that define themselves as the, you know, basically that, that they yeah. were the elite paint correction people in the industry. And whether that's brands, whether it's polishers, whether that's detailers, you know, whether that's enthusiast hobbyists, you know, there's, there's all kinds of things that blossomed out over the past couple of years as the industry began to move towards that. Now you saying that they don't even need a polisher. Well, last night was really interesting. Uh, groups came onto the community pub and, you know, they have really started begin to push one steps and, you know, doing some training a couple years ago with Jason Rose up there at Rupes, where we offered free training out of their uh, uh, incredible training facility. And we had a bunch of detailers from Denver come in and learn from Jason. I learned from Jason. He's a very incredible teacher. And, you know, he went over so many different things. And that was one point where he stopped and goes, look, everybody come look around we're at probably 70% fixed, quote unquote, corrected. Mm -hmm. 
And how many of your customers would this be completely, perfectly satisfiable with? And the majority of all cars out on the road, unless, right, unless it's going to be some crazy, you know, showroom or it's going to be some exotic in some place or, you know, some guy's gone through the wash too many times and he really needs it, you know, spotless. Sure. But the majority of people are just going to need a one step or in your point, none at all. But coming from this company that used to be almost in a completely different way, now, last night, they were pushing heavy to be just a one-step type process. Has the industry begun to now shift to where, you know, we don't need as much? Or, or what are your thoughts? You know, I mean, is suddenly there a shift or has it always been that way? And there's just been a lot of people that, you know, were trying to go a different way. You know, I'd love to know your thoughts on that. You know, it, I feel like it's been that way for a long time. Personally, I've actually pushed that same thing. And I, I've done worldwide training for a lot of different companies. I teach, and I can, I, I've done extreme paint correction. I've used rotary polishing polishers exclusively for many years. And I have detailed pictures and videos of me restoring vehicles from start to finish that are still online today. Search for it. And there's detailed pictures, breakdowns of restoring paint, you know, to the high 90s. It's very difficult to get that 90% paint oh, yeah. correction. You know, it's very, it's very hard. It takes a lot of time, right? And I've done it because I've done a lot of show cars and things of that sort. But I've also taught for many years that a one-step polish is where a lot of customers are very heavily satisfied. And the dual action polisher um, and the market for the enthusiast is great. But what people didn't understand for many years, and it's very hard to explain this to people, is, is that the paint correction portion of detailing, because detailing is a big step, a, a series of steps, and the paint correction portion of that series of steps is literally its own like subdivision. It should, it, it doesn't really involve any of the other steps, but it involves a lot of different steps in this subdivision. It can involve like machine technique and the pad selection and the polish selection, the machine selection, and then how to use all different machines because they all need some types of different learning curve technique. And also the measurement of the paint and the watching of the paint lighting. Yes, there's, there's a lot of different so stuff. many variable, right? So there's many, so much going on. So much going on. Okay. And it's, it takes a long time to learn that. And then also to throw in that variable, the, the differences in paints, like the, the hardnesses, the softnesses, the single stage, the clear coat, the new clear coats, yeah. it's so many variables. So many. And the, what I truly believe about polishing is, is that detailers need to go into that knowing that this section is very in-depth and it's not something that can be done in like, if you've never done it before in an hour or two. And a lot of people go into this job thinking that it can be done in an hour or two. And it's not, if you're polishing a car for the first time one day, it's going to take you all day. One step. I, I guarantee it. Nobody's going to do it faster. It's going to take you all day, the, the morning to the evening. You might not even finish. Or they'll go too fast, right? And, and, and they, just, no they, just, they just went over it. Yeah. And then you get no results. Yeah. And then you, you get no yeah, results. You get some result. You know, any, any you're going to get some result, whether it's 2% better or 80% better. You know, if you put something on the paint, polish, 
you're going to make it better. You know, Mike Phillips says it the best is that when you're touching the paint, you're either improving it or degrading it. What are you doing? So like if you're wiping it dry, you're degrading it. But if at least you're throwing some polish on there and you're at least working it a little bit, you're at least getting some improvement. How much improvement is it? Is it like 2%, 3%, 10%? That's a gauge that the owner would have to see. But something is getting done, right? Um, but people get into the paint correction game and they don't realize that it does take a lot of practice. It does take a lot of time. And sometimes you don't want to spend all that time. And that's where a one step is just so great. And yeah, we talk about machines. Do like, you think, do you think that there's this change now starting to happen? Because you're right. I mean, it, it wasn't, especially in 15, 16, 17, uh, as the industry began to con continually explode, right? I mean, it was just a massive insurgence of uh, overall economy in our industry. You know, 19, 20 was a completely different story for a lot of people. It was just, a wild card, right? But for the most part, from 15 through 19, you could, you could, like, you could spend all day and then you could charge, try and charge them $2,000, right? I mean, people would pay it. And there was certain groups and certain shops that were able to do way beyond they had been able to do before. Some of those shops have already gone out of business, right? Some of those shops have had to move. Some of those shops have had to change. Is that some of the economy starting to show? Uh, is it just maybe that was just taking too long and they couldn't actually fully grow a business? Uh, what? Why do you think some of that change has been starting to happen? Regarding paint correction only? or Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, well, they're just, like I said, I mean, you got, you got Rupes now saying, hey, you know, you don't need to do those full ones. You know, now we've got the products and the tools that you can do a one-step. You know, we're seeing, we're seeing people go out of business. We're seeing businesses change, you know. What, what is it about, is it, do you think it's because it took so long? Was that why? Do you think it's because it just, there wasn't actually any money in it? Uh, what do you think the overall thing of why there's suddenly a change now? Um, I feel like Rupes is, is doing that. This is just from a business standpoint. I'm, I don't work for Rupes, but I believe that Rupes is, is presenting that as a business standpoint because I believe Rupes wants to market towards the dealership with sanding, sanding body shops, dealerships. They, they did say that they started, right? Their main, they started out of a body shop, but they, they're they heavily into detailing now. Yes, I yeah, I understand about the detailing, but I believe that the reason they are pushing that set up, the one step, is because Rupes wants to get their polishers into dealerships, like dealerships that do labor. So a dealership can buy 10 polishers, you know, for their detailing, and they can have all of their um, uh, guys do a one-step polish on every single car that comes in. So this car comes in, maybe a used car, maybe a new car, something happens. Okay, just one step, boom, done, boom, out. And, that, and, and that's why I feel it's a good way to do that because if you're marketing your product, like a, a polisher machine to a dealership and you're saying, or pretty much any other type of business, and you're saying, hey, here, here, buy our stuff, but you don't tell us how to use it. 
they're not going to buy more of it. They're going to buy it once and that's it. They're going to, okay, I'll, I'll try it out. That's it. Done. Yeah. And what Rupes does seems to be pretty good is they have that big facility up in Longmouth that, and they, they do have plenty of people that, that offer. Yeah. Oh yeah, you hey, should. It's Jason, really Ru- Jason Rose, if you're watching this, send me an <laughs> yeah. invite down to the Rupes facility. I'd love yeah. to fly out. My address is 2120 <laughs> Anaheim, California. I'll, uh, I'll just connect you guys. How about that? I got yeah, yeah, just give me, so yeah, I'll just, yeah, Jason Rose, I'll just connect Jason you guys. Rose. Jason Rose, great guy. I've known him since he worked back for McGuire's yep. out here in Irvine. Yep. Great guy. Definitely. Uh, so the, the overall, I mean, we could definitely say the industry is changing and, and, and for detailers inside the groups, you know, you see a lot of stuff changing. Now, one of the, the big changes that we have began to notice that we have both said that will happen, right, is we're just continually, at, you know, at bits and pieces chomping at how soon is it going to be? You know, we're seeing, you know, ceramic brands debacle themselves off of, you know, changing their formulas. We've seen massive, you know, things happen. Um we saw one that, uh, the, you know, now detailers are really starting to complain about people installing coatings for less, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I saw that. Yeah, th- th- this is true. It's because somebody's going to undercut you. And this is, and, and I, I truly don't, I truly think the problem with the industry on that, and like I, I've, I've told everybody this, and a lot of people think I have the problem with the ceramic coating. It's not actually the ceramic coating. Ceramic coating is a great product. It has great industry things to do. It's the way people are selling it and the way they're marketing out there on the, to, the, to the consumer. And as in business, somebody's going to undercut you. And if you don't know how to, like, check this out. Ferrari makes a great car, but Porsche makes a freaking better car and it might be a little bit cheaper, you know, just a little bit, right? And so people buy the Porsche sometimes because it's cheaper than the Ferrari. It's somebody will always come out and just buy it. But why do people buy the Ferrari? Because Ferrari knows how to sell a Ferrari. And if people are trying to sell $2,000 coatings, competing with somebody that sells it for $100 on Facebook Marketplace, you better know how to explain your coating. You know, if you're selling a coating and you don't know even what the brand means, if it's H&L and you don't know what H&L coating means, what does H stand for? What does L stand for? You can't tell the customer that they're not going to pay two thousand dollars for your coding. They're going to go to Facebook Marketplace. No, but you know, there's so many detailers that will complain. Oh, there's these people that are selling them for so much cheaper. They're they're destroying the industry. I mean, that's the way our industry's been since it started. Yeah. And there's always been you can go around the corner to get something less. Yeah. It was really only a matter of time before that affected. The coding industry, right? Yes. I mean, that's why there's the burst. That's why the bubble's going to pop. Yes. And I find it just completely still hysterical that people still want to argue for their overpriced installation to wipe on a product and charge $1,000 because they had to pay, you know, a company for all the stuff that they were doing, might have had to pay for all these different layers and spend four or 500 bucks. You know, it, it, eventually, right? As coatings continue to expand our industry, you've seen it, I've seen it, everybody continues to see it, it will eventually continue to pull that price tag down. Yeah. You know, where where, where does somebody not realize, right? What how how do how do you suggest that people begin to open their eyes to realize how markets change and 
how prices are going to have to fluctuate. You know, is it now that since we're about to go into a possible inflation? I mean, we're getting, you've probably already seen it. Uh, we're getting notifications that shipping charges are about to go up 4.5%, right? Gas prices are going up. Everything's going up in price, but will coatings continue to go up in price? Or do you think those service bases will continue to bring it down? Started it too high, trying to go too high. That's a big problem. You know, just, just, just an example of that, how it will affect our detailing industry. Everything in the detailing industry, chemical-wise, product-wise, towel-wise, bucket-wise, bottle-wise, sprayer-wise, it will all go up in price over the next six months, extensively. Give you an example. Um, buckets, we sell a lot of buckets, okay? We sell a lot of buckets. And I'm very good friends with uh, one of the manufacturers of our buckets. We're great friends. So we talk about a lot of cool stuff, you know, and, and just we go to lunch and we talk about things. And one of the things we're talking about was is that for the bucket manufacturer, and they don't just manufacture buckets, these guys manufacture like a lot of different stuff, you know, for like plastics and cool stuff. So it, it molded things, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm not a, I don't make molding stuff. I make chemicals, but molding stuff. They said that the price of the resin to make the molding stuff went up 60%, 60% on their side. Just the resin, 60%. That is a lot. It's a lot. Okay. And, and everybody needs to understand that's watching this right now is that detailing products are going up in cost. Yeah. Your $1.99 armor all won't be there anymore. So get used to it. <laughs> like, that's like, that's, and, and, and I'm not even saying that because uh, none of our prices are being affected. Zero. We don't raise our prices on, on stuff, we keep it the same. But, uh, um, you know, I'm just letting everybody else know out there, this is an industry, this is an industry talk we're having here. It's like a deeper industry thing. That is a deeper industry thing that will affect everybody's stuff that is involved with this stuff. You know what I mean? Like, look, I'll show you. Oh, no, it's not. Yeah, everything. I, say, I had some buckets right. here. I was like, we have buckets here. You everything. know what I mean? And because the price, you know, I was actually got some samples of buckets and they're like, look, well, the price of the bucket's going up, but look, we can make a thinner bucket. And I'm like, no, it ain't happening. I don't, we, we, we only want the highest quality stuff. So you remember, and we've talked about, I've talked about this with some other people. You remember uh, 11, 12, somewhere through there, we had uh, that silicone shortage and every silicone. No, that silicone shortage is still going on right now. Well, it rehabbed, <laughs> right? Like it rehabbed, like they had another, right? And that, that silicone price is continued like every week. Another 13 cents, another 15 cents. Like it just keeps on, keeps on, keeps on. How and solvents, right? It's the interesting part that I don't think people understand either. There's massive plants in Texas that got affected with Corona. You lost okay. two in California. Oh, and you lost two in California. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, these are all solvents. How many products through the detailing world, especially talking about tire shines, glass cleaners, uh, stuff like body shops, glass cleaners, tire shines, ceramic coatings. Oh, yeah. Guess what? Ceramic coatings all, all use solvent. They're all yeah. solvent-based resin. Yeah. They're not um, water-based. If you're getting tar off, you know, bug and tar removers usually have a lot of solvent. You know, stuff like that. That should, will all continue to increase. It just is what it is. We're happy to be one of the people that get to go out and talk about it. Greg, I know you got to run. Thanks for your time. This was Thank industry you. vibes. Where well, That's exactly what we want to do. We want to go through and look at the industry and 
and give our opinions on what we see going on. So, Greg, thanks as always for your time, and uh, I appreciate it, man. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you guys next time on Pints of Polishing. Later. Episode over. Leave us a review and we will see you on the Community Pub Wednesday nights at 7.30 Central. The Zoom meeting ID is 918-800-1188. That's the Community Pub Wednesday nights, 7.30 Central. The Zoom meeting ID is 918-800-1188. Grab a pint and enjoy.